Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia, and together I'm joined by our columnist, host of the India Rising Podcast, good friend and uh, mind, uh, a familiar name with all our Mind Podcast listeners, uh, Mohal Joshi. Hi, Mohal. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm fine. Uh, this, this is a strange part of the year when Mohal and I ask each other that, uh, Mohal, are you okay from wildfires? And Mohal asks me, are you okay from floods? And, uh, and hurricanes is another one heading your way, right? Yes. So yes, hurricane we avoided, Delta. We avoided one. Uh, hopefully, we are away from Delta, but who knows? <laughs> so um, as we are recording this, uh, the seventh of October, uh, the vice presidential debate has just concluded a few a few hours ago. Uh, not, I mean, not a few a few minutes ago, I should say. Um, and the reason I specified this is because a lot of people ask me, Are, aapne record kab ki, upload kab ho we, you know, we just want to know the context. So uh, that's why I'm just giving you the context because we're going to be talking about the U.S. elections. This podcast is going to focus primarily on U.S. elections and the Indian American vote. And because there has been so much debate about it. And since we are exactly about four weeks away from the elections, uh, we figured, you know, this would be a good uh, time to talk or a little bit less than four weeks away, actually. Uh, from the elections. So, um, uh, Mohal, first of all, welcome to Mind Podcast. Again, always great to have you. And mm-hmm. what is your take? Let's talk a little bit about uh, the first presidential and the first vice presidential. In between, of course, President Trump uh, unfortunately contacted COVID and uh, we wish the president and his family the best of health and hopefully they get out of it very quickly. I think he's been discharged from the hospital and he's been beating very vigorously. But like all COVID folks in quarantine, I guess, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't really fault him for that. But um, uh, but yeah, so today was the, what did you, what do you think about the election so far? What do you think about the, what did you think about the first presidential debate and the first vice presidential debate? So I want to focus on the overall picture in the first part of the debate and the second part, we'll talk about the Indian American vote. Yeah, so I mean, as the polling has indicated that uh, Biden has a lead, the question is like how Trump closed the gap in the end days of 2016. Can he close the gap or will it be Biden's elections to lose at this moment? Well, one could argue right now it is Biden's election to lose, right? I mean, he is ahead from every single, and I'm not just saying polls because I know polls got it horribly wrong in, you know, um, uh, in several states. But if you just compare to 2016, the biggest difference is Trump is an incumbent. So in 2016, he was an unknown quantity as uh, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton represented an establishment. Um, there are several states like Wisconsin in Wisconsin and Michigan that uh, Trump won because the Democrats just did not show up to work. I mean, obviously he got more seats, but he won them with the barest of margins. So and these are mm-hmm. traditionally Democrat states because they have not uh, voted Republican. They had not voted Republican since a long time um, when they voted for Trump. So how do you think, would you think he'll be able to retain these states? Because if he does not retain, so la- just to give you guys um, some perspective here, right? Um, Donald Trump got 304 electoral votes last time. And- 306 actually. Uh, sorry. Yeah, 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 306, right? And then the two independent districts, yeah. And he, um, uh, uh, the, the Wisconsin has 10, 
uh, Michigan has 16 mm-hmm. and Pennsylvania has 20. So together they mm-hmm. make up about 46 electoral votes. If yep. Trump does not get them, he loses the election. Mm-hmm. And if he, you know, even if he wants to, uh, uh, you know, get uh, compensate from someone, let's just assume that he get, he wins in Minnesota, which is 10 electoral votes, and that offsets Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. There is still a deficit of 36 electoral votes, uh, which is st- which still does not put uh, President Trump comfortably about uh, above the majority. So then he needs to pick up some electoral votes from somewhere. So mathematically, mathematically, the odds are stacked against Trump. He lost the popular vote by over three, three and a half million votes, uh, which most a lot of posters are saying might still happen that he might not get the popular vote, but he might still end up, you know, he has a chance in a few states. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is a picture I wanted to give everyone that Biden is right now, if you just take the polling data that we have seen, he would win more than 320 electoral votes. Yeah, that's correct. So from the 306, I mean, the not only like Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania are under threat, but even, uh, I mean, now a purple state like uh, Arizona, which has 11 electoral votes and Florida, which is a perennial swing state with 29 votes also would be under threat. I mean, recent polls show like it's a toss up in Ohio or North Carolina, but I don't think that those are going for, I mean, unless Trump really bottoms out. But let's say even if can Trump can swing back, let's say the the swing voters in Florida and Arizona, which for its own reasons uh, might be difficult. I mean, especially in Arizona because a sitting senator, uh, Martha Maxley is like uh, deeply unpopular and is driving down Trump. Plus, I think what helped Trump in the northern Midwest states was the high percentage of non-college educated white population. Now contrast that with Arizona. Now Arizona, what I read recently was it's 80% suburban call. And like the suburban vote has been sharply shifting to the Democrats. So that would be a, a, a huge pickup state for uh, the Democrats. So if you subtract those two, or I mean, let's say if Trump holds two, then he would still have to win either uh, Pennsylvania by itself or maybe Wisconsin. I mean, which technically gives him a 269 to 69 tie and it's 2020 so after all anything is possible you know yes so mathematically a tie is very possible uh because especially with the you know nebraska and um you know main giving split districts you know as well mm-hmm. but they will also just, uh, see like in maine the main second district is very uh, rural and it probably will swing for trump now nebraska which completely went for trump the, the second congressional district, which is like uh, Omaha and the surrounding areas is very suburban. So I think you can almost, uh, I mean, guarantee that it will go for uh, Trump. I mean, sorry, for Biden. So basically the two of them will kind of uh, cancel each other out. So let's let's look at the, uh, you know, history. Uh, history is not indicator of uh, the number of, you know, the type of election or the type of context. Yeah. In any case, the 2016 election has thrown all other elections in the history books. <laughs> but just to give you guys, guys a perspective, the last time a Republican won popular vote since 1996 was George W. Bush in 2004. And he won it by more than 3 million votes, a comprehensive win. But he... Uh-huh. Um, 
he too got just 286 seats uh, 286 uh, electoral votes so mm -hmm. for that he had to win pennsylvania ohio and florida uh, he lost Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, uh, Michigan, and uh, Illinois. Mm. But, so if President Trump cannot win Pennsylvania and Florida, the election is over. I mean, that, that, that is it. So if at all we are, because right now there is a big sort of um, you know, debate going on uh, about the postal ballots and stuff. And if... Mm -hmm is the predicted number of postal ballots that like they say would happen then it's just going to take a long time for them to count them and we are not going to know the final result on election night it's yeah i think pennsylvania has that issue of the naked ballots where they have to be posted in a secrecy envelope so they could be like maybe like one percent of the some estimates say one percent of the votes might be thrown out uh because of uh, uh not being put in a secrecy envelope per se so now what might happen is many of the Democrats would be mostly voting by mail. So that would lead to a lot of the Democrats votes thrown out. Now, if it's a very razor thin margin, so maybe the election might just come down to Pennsylvania and Arizona, which are truly uh, up for grabs. Now, as you said, I think if Trump cannot win Pennsylvania or Florida, I mean, maybe, I mean, I guess both, then probably he's not going to win again. He needs Pennsylvania and Florida both. Mathematically impossible then for for him to win the election, uh, unless an yes. some sort of a weird magic happens in the Democrat states of uh, California and New York start voting for a Republican, which obviously <laughs> is not going to happen. But, uh, but then he has no chance. Uh, so and Pennsylvania and uh, you know has twenty, um, Ohio has eighteen, and Florida has twenty nine. And mm -hmm. those three. But I mean, there is an outlast in there, as I mentioned. Let's say if he wins Florida but doesn't win Pennsylvania, then he has to win Arizona and Wisconsin to at least force a 269-269 tie. Right. But my point is, if he doesn't win Florida, then it's the end of the election loss. Yeah, yeah. But I think he'll win because, see, the thing is in 2016, because of his uh, remarks at Rubio, a lot of the Cuban-Americans which were solidly Republican, like, I mean, most of the Latino community... Uh, is like solidly Democrat, but like the Cuban Americans, because of the experience with uh, communism in uh, Cuba, they are solidly Republican. So I think those voters are coming back, and I expect in the end for uh, Florida with its uh, also uh, demographic makeup to vote for Trump. My bigger worry still remains Pennsylvania and Arizona uh, for him. Question about it. Uh, because it's been a PR disaster, right? This campaign in the last one year. And um, it's not just the COVID and how the COVID thing has been handled. The things that have been said and the things that have dominated news and how I agree that there is a section of the media that's biased against him. But that's not the only reason. Some of it is also to do with the statements that he's been making. I think the thing is that the statements I've been making have been exaggerated by the pandemic so pre-pandemic i would say like he was a clear favorite to win again because of the economic uh, strength but the thing is that the the more he harps on the pandemic and stuff that that makes people remind that they are not well off but on the economic issues even after such a big recession he still polls slightly better than biden so if he's focus is shifted more towards the economic issues and what he can do for people going forward then it would help more focus. The more he gets 
stuck on the uh, issues like uh, uh, race equality or uh, the pandemic, especially the pandemic and coronavirus, it just drags him down because people are turned off by that. So I see two points where Trump is sort of leading Biden right now. If you just talk to people, one is the economy where America is seeing some sort of a recovery, not completely. Mm-hmm. And the other is the law and order situation, right? Because even if people yeah, are active yeah. of protests and stuff, no one wants violence on the streets. The other side, mm-hmm. the which help Biden is healthcare and you know your classic left of center liberal issues and so forth. And the other mm-hmm. issue, of course, um, um, uh, the, the issue to do with uh, 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 the protests itself. You know, the idea of race equality and stuff. That idea mm-hmm. is in favor of Biden. And then uh, one interesting thing that has happened is that he's nominated uh, Amy Barrett after, you know, the tragic passing away of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg has also sort of rallied the left, the, you know, far left progressive base that was having doubts about Biden to actually go behind Biden because they're like, oh boy, will Trump get his own nominee? Right. So that is the most interesting part, I see. Yeah, I think the healthcare part also feeds into the pandemic. So usually like Republicans do well with seniors who are the most reliable voting block. Now he's heavily bleeding at the moment. Um, this could change as for the opinion polls. So the thing is, if the seniors are turned away from Trump, I think that's bad news because those are, that is the most reliable voting block for Republicans all along. And as you know, the young people don't vote enough. So even if he can gain some young people, it's not going to offset him. Offset it. And also, one point on the Latinos, one good strength has been like Biden has not been able to attract as many Latinos as Clinton. So that remains a source of weakness. I don't know if Trump can uh, attack that and attract attract more Latinos to his side and maybe uh, pick up a surprise state in the Southwest, you know, like Arizona which might be out of uh, Arizona his reach right now. If he wants to win, Arizona is not a surprise state. Because if he wants to win, he has to win Arizona or offset Arizona with something else. And right now, there is no state to offset Arizona with. Yeah, I mean, uh, Arizona is just like I said, the incumbent senator and the demographics where it's young suburban crowd. I think that's what you see, like the Northwest, where uh, the Democrats used to do well, but Trump made inroads with the uh, rural non-college educated crowd is not getting offsetted by the losses in the Sun Belt, which means like the, the Florida, Arizona, North Carolina, Georgia, like, you know, so that will be the long-term shift in the Democrats Republicans that can the Republicans capture the, the Midwest and can the Democrats capture the Sun Belt. Now, whoever does the better shift is going to be the winner in the long term, you know. Absolutely. So, and I completely agree. But let me go take you to the debates. What did you think about the presidential and the vice presidential debate? Uh, the presidential debate just descended into chaos and name calling. What are you and talking was about? Was the presidential topics. debate chaos? Was it like that? What were they talking about? No, I'm kidding. No, this is exactly how it sounded. Right? <laughs> it just sounded like an Indian TV debate, TV debate, I guess. Mm, absolutely. Like a 9 p.m. News, uh, news, news hour debate. <laughs> that is even less right now he's doing even more and more but but i cannot match his tone so uh, please huh, tell me 
<laughs> the vice presidential debate i mean i didn't watch uh, at all because i was busy with something but i just uh, saw funny like that the, the fly was trending like you know the fly that sat on pence's hair it was like hilarious yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> but <coughs> but tell me this uh, <coughs> what do you think about it like what what did you think about the presidential and like do you think that i who who sort of came in front i think nobody won like i think one of the interesting uh, like a pollster was sitting with a undecided voters and he said like both of them were i mean some of them said like they were uh, they agreed with the like trump's attack on biden but they were turned off by the tone of trump's uh, debate like you know frequently interrupting so they were just turned off i guess i don't know if this will like suppress the turnout in the end because people the undecided people might say you know what i mean you know both of them are too much i am not going to vote for either of them and just stay home i guess like in 2016 many of the undecided might be leaning towards trump but i mean this time the undecided percentage is much lower so trump needs to be much closer come election day maybe 3% nationally like in 2016 to stand a chance right now it's 7 8% he is like far far off and that's 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 the sort of the tragedy of it all but let's let's sort of um, let's understand this whole um, uh, perspective of the vice presidential debate honestly today's mm-hmm. debate was more significantly more civilized than that debate and is mm-hmm. is do we find um, pence doing so much better because the expectations were low i mean for me it was a 50 50 debate but the because the expectations of pence were so low i think he did a little better than before better than expected don't you think so or what do you think i mean it could be very well the case i mean as i said with trump i mean it's not like he's making the incorrect point with uh, biden but like the way he does it also matters right i mean if you're just going to constantly interrupt and heckle the other person then it just turns off the voters unfortunately especially the swing voters i mean it might fire up the base but the swing voters don't come i don't see how he's going to make up the margin because pretty much i mean 90 plus 95% of the population is convinced of whom they are going to vote off by now oh, absolutely absolutely and and ultimately that's what you know um, uh, that's what seems to matter to a lot of people here so um, like that uh, what how what is the turnout and you know how many people uh, come out and stuff but the thing is that also i think because we live in a, this media sort of you know uh, 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 thing we set too much store by the debate but in the second part, i think my my analysis of the debates was the same thing i think there were no clear winners for any debate it was just that both of them uh, failed to close out major issues you know trump had the big snap over white supremacy where he did not even condemn it and then he pulled a little bit ahead on law and order but biden you know got it on covid but he couldn't get him on economy so it's, it's a very uh, you know it's a tug of war but coming to a debate point that has dominated a discussion to a lot of people about the indian american now you saw some sort of a by the way that sort of hawa that you saw from both sides quoting the indian american vote has almost stopped in mm-hmm. the weeks it's like uh, uh, they suddenly realized that indian americans only constitute 1% of the <laughs> the population mm-hmm. and before i get to mohan let me give you guys some facts okay not to downplay anything um 
and, and just for sake of you know clarity, uh, I personally do not vote in the U.S. election. I vote in the Indian elections. So please, guys, you know, uh, I making that having made that disclosure, you know, uh, made because I don't want any conflict of interest or something like that uh, thrown at me. Um, let's majority of the Indian Americans live in California, Texas, and New York, and I include New York and New Jersey, right? Now, all those four states are deciding. California will be going Democratic, New York, New Jersey will be going Demo uh, Democrat, and Texas, at least in this election, is going Republican. <laughs> about it being purple. I don't think it's going Democrat uh, this time. Now we are coming to the swing states. The swing states are Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Now here, the Indian population is about 100 you know, some places about three, four hundred thousand in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, similar in Florida, maybe a little less in Ohio, and about one hundred fifty thousand or something in Wisconsin and Michigan each. So it's within the margin of victory, and it's their trends that you have to analyze. Now, when you say that seventy percent of the Indian Americans voted for uh, Democrats and thirty percent voted Republican. You have to really realize that the 70% who voted for Democrats, where are they based? If they're based in New York, California or something, that analysis, you cannot just use them, you know, straight for, uh, you cannot extrapolate that to all states. So what is your understanding? So I think you have a goof, uh, good uh, explainer. So I think as per the data last time around, there were, I think, 75 or 77% of Indian Americans voted for uh, Clinton versus Trump. Now, over the past four years, like the recent data I saw from an institute called AAPI, I saw it had almost gone down to like around 65%. So that's a st still a 12%. I know it's like we are concentrated in certain states which don't decide the electoral outcome, but a 12% shift nonetheless is still a significant shift. So long term, I mean, depending on what the policies the Democrats and the Republicans follow, there could be a further shift though it might not like necessarily swing the elections in one or other person's favor, you know. Mm -hmm. And also in Indian American, you are finding the same sort of dichotomy as you find in what you said in Latin Latino Americans who come from Cuba or Cuban Americans where the people who have moved from India who have migrated and have become... Yeah, first generation or second generation. Yeah, I see that. Tending to go towards Republican because they have certain jobs, businesses and so forth. Their kids were mm -hmm. born on the face of it they do lead democrats but then again you have to see that 10 years from now this population would have aged uh, you know they'll be in their 40s or late 30s do they still mm. that? I mean I know of many Indian Americans who have voted for both democrats and republicans in elections right so uh, that, that's 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 the uh, that's the interesting part um, what is but do you think Indian Americans will make a big difference in Florida, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan or no? I mean, I haven't seen the actual numbers to see, but I think in certain states, they are greater than the the, the, the winning margin in 2016. So if you look in the Midwest, in certain states, they might be greater than the winning margin. Now the question is, did do all of them vote and do all of them vote one way to truly affect the outcome. I mean, that is something that is yet to be seen. Yeah, exactly. And but I think as we grow over the years, uh, sorry to interrupt, but like 
we might be a greater percentage of population you know which might affect policies yeah so here is the thing i think indian americans where they do make a difference is congressional seats like the the place where mm-hmm. i raised in the texas 22nd district you have a a race where there is a, a, a shri preston kulkarni is going against troy nels the previous incumbent was pete olson and pete olson was you know would say a lot of you know things about indian american issues and stuff and he carried the district narrowly last time this time it's is 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 shri preston is you know locked in a race with uh, troy nels and both have been quoting the indian american vote then both have also uh-huh. been quoting the non indian american vote where uh, shri came out with this whole thing about caa and kashmir and all that nonsense because he did not get this some uh, uh, i think it was um, uh, uh, some sort of organization to back him so he said all sorts of rubbish about the government and then uh, troy the guy before troy said stuff like that so it's just it's such a uh, such a mess you know but the issue is the indian american vote has never been quoted the way it has been this time So yeah is, yeah if you can change that both the sides are viewing this as a swing block yeah i was joking right you on twitter that now all the indian festivals will be celebrated up to the elect, run up of the election and july august september had a lot of festivals and we still have diwali and all those left right so what's the probability trump and biden will wish happy diwali no but diwali happens after the elections oh yeah this time around yeah yeah that's true so, maybe dashera unless dashera is still there Yes, and until we have Trump and Biden both putting up competing Navratri videos, uh, doing garba, <laughs> I am not even interested. You know, uh, <laughs> that is the that is uh, to to channel my inner Arunab. That is the burning question today. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you see, like I mean, I was shocked like the amount of uh, messages for all, all the Indian festivals. Which is good to see that they do realize in a close election, like every vote matters. and even like a small fraction community like indians they do matter in the yeah uh, in the big scheme of things exactly so i think indian americans can make a difference in local congressional seats maybe even in some mm-hmm. uh, uh seats and stuff so uh, but i think in terms of uh, uh, nationally they i think we are at a critical point where in texas i think there is eventually going to be a point where they will be a very critical mass because you're going to have maybe over a half a million indian americans in texas or maybe more and mm-hmm. texas gets into that territory of quasi purple quasi to keep it leaning republican you will you'll see a lot of indian americans voted by the republican party in texas so that is mm-hmm. what's going to happen so rather than flipping states i think republicans might be voting indian americans to retain states and that is or, my, or congressional seats congressional seats certainly i absolutely in congressional seats there is an absolute outreach on a local level uh, you know that so that's sort of the debate but in closure and guys this is a series on us election so mohan will be back we'll be doing many more we're doing short podcasts to get you quick analysis you know about uh, what's happening because this is a developing situation so what do you think uh, mohan in closure how do you uh, view this i think if i look at the situation today assuming we give like trump north carolina florida and arizona which is slightly behind but let's say he makes up is a reversion to the mean i mean he has lost ground after his covid infection and the debate uh he brings it it brings it up to like uh i believe like 
249 so that leaves him one state short so he has to win either a wisconsin or a combination of wisconsin and pennsylvania i think michigan is too far out minnesota and michigan even if you say like the margin they are well outside the margin of error they like 8 to 9 points out so he has to focus i think the election will come down to i guess arizona wisconsin and pennsylvania and that's assuming that trump carries like florida you know because if if he doesn't carry florida it's a non starter so uh, maybe it might be just uh, poetic justice that we are we are one set on the east coast pennsylvania one in the midwest wisconsin and one on the western time zone in okay. arizona which might well which might very well decide these three swing states might very well decide the outcome of the election and trump has to win probably two out of three or uh, i mean at least pennsylvania and and, and me, one of the other two let me tell you guys if the polls are to believe then pennsylvania and ohio look fairly comfortable in this mon- uh, uh, sorry pennsylvania and florida uh, uh, not florida say pennsylvania and arizona look fairly comfortable for trump uh, Uh, Ohio and Florida are uh, on the border, but Wisconsin and Michigan certainly look comfortable. So if he carries Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and it's a close contest in Ohio and Florida, and eventually Florida goes to Biden, that is the election. So we might not even have to go into the week's time frame because by the time the eastern states are taken, you know, care mm-hmm. of. We probably have already gotten to a point where Biden will be close to two forty. Yeah. I mean, if Trump can carry, as I said, one of the three uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, or Wisconsin, it might just come down to late night, late in the night, where we are. Everybody is waiting on the Arizona results because that might be the yes. future presidency. Then, absolutely, absolutely. So that's sort of our uh, uh, quick take on uh, you know the U.S. election thing. Uh, but one thing I have to come say, and this is a big disclaimer, and the election is by no means over. So next week, something else might happen. Three and a half weeks, or up to four weeks, is a yeah. long time in an election. It's twenty twenty after all, Adit, right? So there has to be more October surprises. We can't just be content with one. And there is a famous cliche about October surprise. The first few days, you saw President Trump getting COVID, right? Who would have sort of uh-huh. thought was happening? And then the the contours of the debates changed. The the, yeah. the tone of the campaign changed. And now you have another debate coming up on fifteenth, which is a week from uh, today when you guys will hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know maybe we'll be back after the debate to analyze that debate. But I can assure you, there's going to be a lot of fireworks because Trump will want to send out a point that he's fine after COVID and nothing has happened to you know him and all that stuff. You know how it you know goes. Mm-hmm. So, but before we let you go, Mohal, um, any um, uh, recommendations? Um, Uh, you have for uh, I have to think about it. Like uh, I let you go first, like till the time I quickly think about since something. It's, since it's IPL season, I'll I'll rec- I'll have a couple of uh, cricket recommendations. I'm reading a book called Wizards, I think, on Indian spinners. I'll let you guys know how it is as I start reading it. But it's the story of Indian spinners, and um, you know it's quite fascinating. Then there is another documentary. I may have given the uh, two documentaries. One is Fire in Babylon about the West Indies cricket in England. It's uh, about 80s and 70s, and you know what they had to combat. And um, the other documentary is Crossing the Line, which is on the Sandpaper Gate that happened in Australia, uh, the Australia South Africa Test match. 
both beautifully produced documentaries, one by BBC and one by you know SABC, I think, and stuff like that. So um, or Super Sport. Uh, um, I would recommend you guys both watching. So Mohan, your recommendation. Uh, yeah, this is actually a book I'm waiting. I just recalled. I haven't placed the order, but like by uh, uh, Subramaniam, like the, uh, I think it has been a, a guest on the mind makers podcast and the full spectrum. Me, like all, announce, uh, Glad you gave me that segue. He will be back to discuss this book as well. <laughs> okay. So, okay, some disclosure, I didn't know anything about this, so I'm not trying to plug at this podcast here, but yeah, I mean, I'm eagerly awaiting uh, his book to be available so I can order and uh, read about the military history from 1972 onwards all the way, I guess he's written up to Balakot. So, yeah, no, no, stunning. He's, he's a brilliant writer, very good friend of mm-hmm. my podcast and, a, and a, a, you know, a military historian, we need more of yeah. him. And we need to hear more. Yeah. So um, uh, certainly great. But uh, before I let you, I have to ask you, yeah, what do you think about CSK? What the hell is wrong with Dhoni and Kinar Jadav? <laughs> I mean, the joke is that, like, you know, I read online, someone said, like, they're playing for Netronet in every game, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they, they just forgot that they also have to win, uh, win as well. I guess the... The, the the technique that Dhoni used to like leave it for the end and then like smash 15-20 runs in the last few hours. I mean, obviously he can't do that. So he has to modify his approach to score at a more brisk pace and then like, you know, not leave too much at the end. But I guess, uh, I mean, it seems like this would be probably last IPL season, you know, depending on what the owners want to do, you know. Or maybe do a mentor, a coach come uh, mentor maybe with a non- playing a role in the future so I mean also remember they have like they, lose, they lost like Herbergen and Reiner right so that also upsets their balance at the last moment they would have figured out the team balance with Reiner in the scheme of things and now they don't have a, I mean the second most IPL cap player right uh, not being there also hurts the team balance a lot absolutely so it is just pathetic um, to see. It's sad to see. And as Virender said, yeah. he couldn't, um, uh, he didn't mention Kedar Jadav or why Dhoni keeps on playing him because, oh my God, Indian commentators cannot question Shri Dhoni or Shri Kohli. Uh, but he said that in CSK, players have been given a lot of players. But performance is not going to be Yeah, I guess this would be like a wash season. They would have to probably start from scratch next year or round uh, yeah absolutely absolutely um, but thank you so much Mohan for joining I think uh, it was a pleasure uh, I mean, some, sorry if we sound formal <laughs> but greeting Nikolai but no we'll be we'll be back I think we'll do a series on the US election and I'm going to book mm-hmm. for a couple more podcasts where we discuss sure developing scenarios of US elections. He, he's been talk, yeah. he's been poking me anyways. Cover cup karna shuru kar rahe, US elections, Indian politics. <laughs> and we will talk Indian politics also, guys. We'll do multiple podcasts. So don't worry. But uh, we have the Bihar elections, right? Where there's so many twists and turns. Everybody is changing alliances. So it's too hard to keep track, you know. Um, are, kisi ko pata hai nahi, kaun, kiske hai? 
I know, like, I mean, VIP, harm, everybody's like switching alliances. So to wrap your head around, like, you know, I think like even in the future, let's say if machine learning or AI can master all techniques, Indian politics will be safely out of the reach of AI, I guess, in the future. Yeah. Uh, There's no way they can get all the uh, complexities of Indian politics is never going to be programmed by that. So the biggest shocker is, job safe. we can be electoral analyst. No, no, the biggest shocker is Ram Vilas Paswan who usually picks an alliance has decided to go alone. <laughs> and that is the biggest <laughs> shock. <laughs> election. Uh, no, I mean, he's not contesting on the BJP seats, right? So he's just contesting on the Nitish seats. But we'll be back more. We'll be back with more. Sure, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and you know, get more information on this. So, thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for all for coming in, and uh, you know, stay tuned. In the next few days, we'll uh, we'll have more podcasts. So, um, please ma- like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and do the needful. <laughs> thank you, guys.